we know you can't get enough of your favorite flavors. Luckily, Kroger Free Pickup makes it easy to grab what you need without any surprise fees. Whether it's extra buns for the barbecue or those chips you just can't quit, start your cart with the Kroger app. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply, subject to availability. It's the big $10 sale, so mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Michael Telstar, and um, I'm glad to see we got a packed house here today. <laughs> um, I'm going to uh, tell you a little bit about remote viewing. Uh, I'm going to tell you the difference between remote viewing, what it means, what it is, who created it, out-of-body experiences, and maybe a little bit about lucid dreaming, too. My background is from the Munner Institute, as Leslie mentioned. I'm a master remote viewer, uh, trained by Dr. David Morehouse and I've given seminars all across North America. I just want to tell you that everybody has the ability to remote view. It is an inherent ability that you possess, and it's the ability to transcend time and space and, and to perceive people, places, and or things remote in time and space and bring back information on whatever it is you want to seek. So it's not a standalone feature. It's an information retrieval system that the military developed back in the uh, 70s. And a gentleman by the name of Captain Skip Adwater had mentioned to his superior officer that he was reading an article that the Russians were working on developing psychic spies. So his commanding officer said, well, do a little research on it and check it out. He did, and he found out that there was some uh, temerity to it. There was something to it. So he was asked to um, do, uh, contact the Stanford Research Institute and speak to Dr. Harold Perthoff and Russell Targ about developing a, uh, a protocol for it. And these guys were laser physicists and they were really skeptical about it, but they were open-minded as well. So they put an ad in the uh, Washington Post and they had a lot of students and people answer the ad. They were seeking psychics, right? And they got a lot of people from all over the place and many of them really didn't uh, make sense. And, but they got a few interesting people. One of the gentlemen was Ingo Swan and he was a courier at the time for the um, embassy. And he went there and uh, they asked him to tell them what he thought was in the basement of the floor that he was on, what was there. And, uh, you know, so he closed his eyes and in about 30 seconds an alarm went off. And what had happened is that the special device seismic uh, counter that they had in a vault, which is a super sensitive device to detect extremely minor quakes in the earth, had been activated. And he said, ooh, well, this is kind of strange, right? There must be something wrong with the system. So they went and they recalibrated and they fixed it. So he asked him to, well, okay, go back and you know, tell us what's in there. So he did a drawing, you know, and about a minute later, the alarm went off again, right? So he knew this time it wasn't a coincidence. And he had done a little drawing of this funny gizmo and gadget, you know, in between these pillars, suspended, you know, and so on and so forth. And he had a, an idea, he had a pretty good drawing of what, what it was. He didn't know what it was until he had told him. So at that point, uh, Harold Perthoff, Dr. Harold Perthoff had determined that there was something here that he was emanating, some type of energy. So what they did was they had him, uh, hired him to work with them, and then they had put an ad out also with the military, or they had let it, let it be known to the military. They were looking for subjects that had, uh, let me see, how shall I put it, eccentricities. Um, for example, uh, uh, Sergeant Joel McMoneagle, who eventually became, uh, who joined Project Stargate 
um, and uh, he was in the Vietnam War, and he had the uncanny ability um, to, uh, when he was relaxing, he uh, had this ability where he would uh, put his boots on, close his lawn chair, and, and depart from this area. And within a few minutes, that area was shelled, blasted, the kingdom come. And unfortunately, a couple of men did not move when he did, right? And they died. But afterwards, he did this all the time. That area would be shelved. So his men, soon he did that. The moment he put on his boots, the guys put on their boots really quick, folded their chairs, moved out of there, and within a few minutes, it was shelled. This happened many, many, many times. And this was listed in his record. This man had an unusual instinct, you know, to avoid death. Um, and his men imitated him. They ate what he ate, they slept when he slept, they woke up when, they were hoping maybe whatever he had it would rub off on them a bit, but I don't think it did. Anyway, Joe McMoneagle was contacted as well, and a few other men too as well, and they were, they were brought in, and they determined that they did have some sort of psi but they didn't have any idea what it was. So they put together a protocol, it spanned within 10 years, but during that 10 years, they developed an incredible protocol for, develop, for developing a psi-ability. And, and the original intention, folks, was that they wanted to train uh, an average military soldier so that he would be able to maybe see what was beyond the ridge or maybe see how many enemy soldiers were over there or perhaps what they were thinking or whatever. Now, what happened is that the system became so good, so reliable, that it was never shared with the military. They kept it. It was above top secret. All right, and they developed this protocol so that an average person who thought they didn't have any psychic ability or they had the psychic ability of a bag of nails, <laughs> um, they could train them using the protocol to remote, to, to remote sense. So they developed the protocol, six stages. Ingo Swan turned it remote viewing. And the CIA, NSA, Pentagon, military president, generals, they were all coming down to this institute at the uh, Stanford Research Institute to check this out because many of them were skeptical. And some of the three-star generals, you know, they were very, you know, this is not possible, you guys are playing whatever. Uh, they would give uh, the, the, the remote viewers, they would give them uh, a target, right, a coordinates. And the coordinate term came from a map. So they would say to go over to this longitude, latitude, and so on and so forth. And then the viewer would describe what was there. And what they thought was that these guys had developed photographic memories and, and had memorized every single coordinate in the world. So that's what they said. Well, of course, that wasn't true. So Ingo Swan suggested, well, we're just giving out numbers, so why don't we just make up random numbers that are associated with the target? So the coordinate or the numbers are like a telephone number, all right, that leads you to the target. So for example, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's usually eight digits, all right? And that's what they did. So they did this with a general. And they gave him the coordinates, they showed him the procedure, and sure enough, lo and behold, he had, had aspects of the target. He was shown the, the visual evidence, but he still didn't believe it. He thought it was fixed. <laughs> I don't know how he thought that, but you know, he did it himself. So some of them were, became convinced. Some of them didn't become convinced even after that. But eventually, they did develop a great protocol, the Monroe Institute. Um, Mr. Monroe pioneered in the out-of-body phenomena. And he was sponsored also by the NSA and by the government. They had given him a $20 million infusion. And all their generals, NSA, CIA men, top men, went to the Monroe for training, for the remote viewing capacity. Um, there's a story where one um, general uh, had gone there, and um, on the third or fourth day, 
came running out of his room naked, stark raving mad. <laughs> I don't know what happened there, folks. They don't know what happened either. It could have been that he had an entity or a life form had come to him and his mind just couldn't comprehend it, right? Then he just kind of, you know, temporarily uh, lost it. Uh, he never went back there again. But that happens. People have been known to go there and it does happen where you do have an experience and you'll have this, you know, you'll have entities or life forms come to you. Whether there are people that have passed on or extraterrestrials, which happens often and I'll tell you why. Um, it, it depends on, on the, on the uh, person. They found out that when the remote viewers were viewing, right, they often had these unusual anomalies occur. So they were told to remote view something, but they got pulled off over here because they saw the ship. This thing looked like a craft, you know, an unearthly craft. And they told the monitor, well, I see this. And so the monitor played along and said, well, okay, if you're gonna go towards it, go towards it, right? So that happened to a lot of them and it happened to me often as well. I'd wanna go over here and I'd see this anomaly and I'd go towards it. And it took me a couple of years, but I finally, when I went and approached the craft, it would always take off, right? And I, I would kind of sense it and go with it, but it always moved away. And then I'd see something else and go towards that, and it'd move away. And eventually, I did make it aboard one craft, right? And I saw the uh, five-foot uh, EBEs. Uh, you could say they're like grays, but they're not. And there was two of them. Uh, there was a circular, um, uh, like uh, a veranda was circular with machinery down there and two uh, EBs there. And when I got on there, I'm, I was, you know, I was, I was so happy because it took me a couple years to get on there. And I don't, you know, I just finally got on there. But as soon as I did, right, the two of them simultaneously turned their heads around and they, they looked at me. And I kind of laughed at them because I says, you can't do nothing. I'm going to stay here. I had the impression to leave, right? But I says, no, no, I'm, I'm staying here. I'm not going anywhere. Right, so one of them took out something that looked like a, a wand, and it had what appeared to look like studded jewels on the wand. And they came up to me, and I thought they're gonna give me this, you know, it's a great gift. I don't know how I'm gonna take it back though, but you know, but he came up and he, he pointed it at me near me, and I got a massive, what felt like an electric shock, ended up, you know, coming back to consciousness or coming back in the physical. Now, this was a, a remote viewing session, but it also happened to me in my outer body. All right, and I'll tell you what the differences are. Remote viewing, you do not sense or perceive any appendages. You do not see your physical or non, I should say non-physical arms or legs or whatever. It's a panoramic view. And it could be cloudy, and it could be as clear as this. And it's nice when it's very clear. And, it, and it, you, if you practice it, you will develop that ability. You already have it. You're already doing it. It's not nothing new. It's only been rediscovered. And when you have an OBE, you can feel as if you're there. So the, the thing about the remote viewing, it's like a panoramic screen, right? And you perceive, but you don't sense anything like this. But when you're in the outer body state, you can see your non-physical body. So it seems to duplicate the physical body, the way it appears. And you feel that you're actually there, okay? So um, the remote viewing protocol, um, remote viewing, by the way, is the modern terminology for clairvoyance. And they didn't want to use the word clairvoyance because it sounds too esoteric and old-fashioned. So they changed the terminology to remote sensing or remote viewing. And basically, um, that is the ability, right, to, to perceive things around you. And they learned to remote view not only the present, but also the past and the future, okay? So, so for example, um, we were given a photograph and asked, where was this individual going to be tomorrow, all right? 
that's called front-loaded. When you've done the remote viewing sessions enough times, you don't have to worry about uh, having analytical overlay. When you're starting to practice, you're given the coordinates, right? Because you have to objectify as much as possible, right? So if I tell you to remote view this horse, well, you already know it's a horse, right? You know, is it, which horse is gonna win? You're, you're gonna have a hard time determining it if you're, if you're not a trained re remote viewer. So what you do is you associate each horse with a fruit. <laughs> Instead of having to worry about horses, you, you'll have, say, 10 different fruits, and, and you remote view a fruit, and you'll see whatever fruit it comes up, right? And that's going to be associated with the horse. So this is actually a technique that has been applied, and I've applied myself. Um, I, I won twice, three, two triads, where I picked three horses in a row in one night within an hour. And I, as I, I did it, and it was not too hard, and I'm afraid to go back because I might get in the habit of going all the time and doing it. So I haven't done it again. I know some friends that have gone there and they've you know, lost their houses and stuff like that. But anyway, that's another thing. So the remote viewing can be applied for future events. So we're told, where is this person going to be tomorrow? All right, so we remote view, we project into tomorrow, and we explain the, the surrounding areas, a cafe, a bar, a house, a home, an RV, a location, and we put everything. There are six stages to remote viewing. You go into the linear, you do something called an ideogram, and that connects your subconscious mind to the target. And then you go from there to uh, uh, size, shape, tangibles, intangibles, energetics. So you go further and further, and how remote viewing works is that you're trained to open your aperture at will, okay? We all have the psi ability, and we pick up all this information that comes in and we don't know where it's coming from or why. So the thing about remote viewing, it gives you the ability to home in on what you wanna receive, the information you want to receive, okay? So you learn to out close your or open your aperture, the third eye, close it, open it a little more, close it, open it a little more, all right? So it could be where you want to find an object or a location or a person or an individual, and so on and so forth. Um, remote viewing also, uh, other abilities come from remote viewing as well. Remote influencing was developed accidentally by Joe McBonigle. He was asked to uh, get information from this spy they had, right? And they were interrogating him, giving him sleep deprivation, you know, they weren't physically torturing him and they couldn't get anything out of the person. So the CIA asked if the remote viewing team can do something about it. So the monitor, Skip Atwater, asked Joe, uh, well, can you remote view this guy and convince him to open up? And he says, well, how am I gonna do that? He says, I don't know, just talk to him in that state. So he remote viewed the individual, was given a photo, remote viewed, talked to him, Ask them, look, we're your friends, we're your buddies. You don't have to worry about anything happening. Uh, you know, you can tell us what we need to know and, and we'll treat you right. So he did that for a couple hours. And sure enough, the next morning, the man opened up to everything. So they knew that it worked, right? It had a direct, direct correlation to that. Uh, and that was remote telepathy, remote influencing. He's connecting with him on a subconscious level. The individual was talking to him on a subconscious level, not a conscious level. He was talking to him through his conscious level. The only way you could remote view is when you're emanating alpha waves. There's the uh, beta, which is normal state of attention, the alpha, which is a focused state of awareness, hypnotic state, the theta, which is REM, rapid eye movement, all right, and then the delta, the comatose state. There is a fifth signal that hasn't been identified, or it has, but they haven't given it a name. And when you're emanating this fifth signal, you're uh, doing a lot of amazing things, all right? Um, so if you, you're not emanating alpha, you cannot use any kind of psychic impression or ability. It's impossible. 
if you dance, sing, act, you know, if you have a mop, if you're in the zone, you know, if you're on the beam, that's when you're emanating powerful alpha, okay? Now, the thing is that everybody here can get in the alpha like you are right now, okay? You're all in the alpha right now. But that's not the trick to get into it. The trick is to maintain the alpha as long as possible. So inventors, right? Einstein, Tesla, uh, you know, architects, dreamers, singers, everybody has the ability to into that state. Okay? And if you're anetic, then you're, if you're distracted, then you know you're better. But if you're very focused and you're attentive and you're focused on what you're doing, then you'll get the insight. You'll con you're concentrating very strongly. All right, so there are various levels of alpha, ultra deep alpha, and the lunar theta is when you do extended remote viewing. I'm more of an actual extended remote viewer, and that's where you're lying down and you're given the coordinates, and then what I do is I actually, I'm awake unaware, but I'm actually dreaming the target, right? Or I'm somehow going to the target through the dream state, right? I get all the information back, and then I, I do the report. When you do, when you become an experienced remote viewer and as you train, you're going to go from 30 minutes to three hours for a normal session. So you'll have about five to 50 pages of data. So if they have eight, nine, 10 remote viewers, remote viewing a target, like when they had the Iran hostage affair, they asked the remote viewers to find out how the hostages were doing and where they were taken. Um, what, the, what was happening is that they were moving the hostages every 12 hours. So the remote viewers were constantly remote viewing their locations. And they, they had Joe McMoneagle and a few other fellas um, remote view them and they were trying to find out where they were and how they felt, right? So they actually helped a lot in, in determining where they might, were, were at the last instant where they, where they were rescued. Um, they were asked to do assignments for the president. Uh, CA, some things were small and some things were big. Some things were mediocre and some things were really important uh, targets, you know, where, where there was a jet crash and there was very important information or technology on the jet and they didn't know where the jet had crashed. The viewers helped them to find it. They have physical information, science that backs them up, but remote viewing is a, is a powerful information retrieval system that the physical technology cannot acquire. So it's a terrific tool. There are, there are medical protocols, law enforcement protocols, detectives that have been trained in the remote viewing that enhances their intuition. Um, the medical protocol, they have trained nurses in the States where the nurses will remote view an, uh, a patient to find out what's wrong and why they're not react, uh, uh, reacting to the uh, medicine, remote view their heart, their mind, their brain, go right inside, shrink themselves and go right into their organ or whatever it is. There is a personal protocol, of course, business protocol, and there's even a Las Vegas one. <laughs> Monroe Institute just did a Las Vegas uh, remote viewing protocol five years ago, but I was already applying that 15 years ago. <laughs> I was banned in a couple of casinos, and I go to the Falls View once a month, and I win a little bit a lot. I go there for three days, and that helps to pay my rent a little bit, but uh, don't share that with anybody. It's just on TV, and everybody knows. Okay, that's fine. Okay, but I'm not going to tell you how I do it, though. But if you can remote view, just, you're just remote viewing 30 seconds into the future, right? And you can do that. Everybody here has had deja vu, or they've had some sort of precognition, all right? And remote viewing the past, what we call the past, and the future is extremely possible. Getting to the exact hour is difficult. A few seconds is not so bad, it's not difficult. You know where you're gonna be in the next hour or so, right? You know you're gonna be in your room, or you're gonna be going to the washroom, or you're gonna be going to your car, you're, gonna be, you're already kinda knowing the future already, right? But th that's, that's kinda knowing in a different way. So basically, remote viewing can be a tremendous ability to develop. You all have that ability, and I encourage all of you to develop it. Uh, the out-of-body phenomena is incredible as well. And when they did an experiment 
at the Monroe Institute, they had Mr. Monroe and Joe McMoneagle given targets. Okay, so Joe McMoneagle does the autobody too, but he removed you. So they were given targets. Mr. Monroe projected uh, 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 Joe McMoneagle, who was also known as Joe of Arc, he uh, phased his consciousness to the target. All right? So they went to this target, and they were visibly shaken when they came back to uh, normal consciousness. Not quite, but uh, normal consciousness, but they were visibly shaken, and they did their, you know, their evaluation. And they had given them the coordinates for the, uh, because they were skilled, they gave them the coordinates to the exact uh, hour and time of the atomic bomb uh, dropped on Hiroshima, right? So they had materialized just as the bomb dropped and like that, right? So a nuclear bomb cannot harm the um, outer body or the energy body, the second body and it didn't do anything to his consciousness, but they did not expect that. They were not told what the target was, right? So, but they both experienced it, and they also did experiments to see if a person in the out-of-body state could perceive a person who's remote viewing and vice versa, and, they, and you can do that. You can perceive each other's energies. That is very possible. Um, when I was first having the out-of-body experiences, I went there at 24 when they opened to the general public. I was the youngest person to ever go there, and I got to meet Mr. Monroe, incredible, remarkable man. His book, Far Journeys, you want to read, Journeys Out of the Body, the terrific. All lots of great science behind it, too. Um, they were doing channeling, by the way, in the 60s and 70s, you know, before the word even came out, channeling, where they did have entities come to the check units, control holistic environmental chambers, you know. Um, they would come there and they would communicate and kind of share their consciousness and give them information. So the guys, the first original 50 volunteers that they had brought down from 500 were giving information and channeling wasn't known yet at that time, right? Or it wasn't given that, that word quite. Um, when, I was, when I first went up there, I had a terrific fear because when I did project and I would leave my body, I used a rolling log technique. I don't float out of my body. I only did that once when I was extremely ill. I, I get into this shift, I roll like a log, and I basically build up this momentum. I roll my eyes, roll my body, and then I just zip out. It's just like I'm physically getting out of bed. It's an effort, it's like you're very tired. Imagine when you're very tired and you have to have that effort to get out of bed. You know, you haven't slept for 24 hours and you, get, and you have to end it, so it takes mental will, all right? And when you're first doing it consciously, you feel like you're drunk because you're emanating theta and alpha. All right, you get up. You're not walking normally because you're not walking on your legs. You're not seeing with eyes, so you gotta learn to see again. You all project every night, by the way, but you do it, you're at experts because you're not consciously aware of doing it. But when you start becoming conscious of it, right, your unconscious is gonna help you, but you have to relearn these things again. So it's a very strange experience. So uh, I was getting off track there a bit. So when I did project, I'd have these life forms or entities that would be around, and they'd scare the heck out of me, and I'd go back into my body, I'd dive back in, because I thought they could hurt me, and this, you know, I'm young and I didn't know better. Um, after a little while, three, four years, I projected, and then I started having these experiences with EBEs, right? Human, non-human, grays, tall grays, right? Um, I had some physical experiences. Unfortunately, I can't show you the slides. Um, my Google Plus, all the photos I had on Google+, which I've had for more than a year on that server, uh, we checked them out Wednesday, and we checked them, I was checking them every couple of days, and we, we saw them Wednesday, and we went and looked at them on Thursday. All my photos were gone from Google+, 
and it never happened before. It didn't happen last week. It never happened. I was changing my password every, every uh, week or so. And we went on Thursday, and we, and we were baffled. There's no photos, no videos. I had videos there that I wanted to share, and some photos of things that I had taken. Um, some, uh, I had set up my cameras in some places, you know, where I had, had visual uh, proof and everything, and they were gone. Um, and um, I also had a package that I ordered, a special package that I ordered Monday for my presentation. And I ordered it within a 72-hour period, Monday, paid for a three-day three delivery by a courier on Monday. It never arrived here, never got here. I put Michael Telstar, ACE speaker, and it has, not, it has not arrived here at all. So I don't know what to think. And I've ordered from this company before. They were doing some special diagrams for me, schematics, and I never received my package. So you talk about coincidence when Paul Hillier was talking about strange occurrences and strange happenings. And that's two of them that the company, I've always ordered things before from them and I always got it and, and I just didn't receive it. So I kind of apologize, folks, that I'm not able to show you some visual things on the screen. However, I won't disappoint you and I'm gonna try to do a little demonstration. All right, how are we doing on the time? Pretty good? All right, so I'm gonna do a couple little demonstrations and um, I'll need a, uh, well, uh, maybe I'll take a couple questions within the last five minutes. Okay, um, so what we're gonna try to do is just something. Now, there's a lot of things that came that derive from remote viewing. The remote telepathy, remote influencing, remote touching. People heal from a distance, right? Remote healing, okay? And uh, a lot of things were derived from that. Um, I developed a protocol called RRV, re reverse remote viewing. And um, uh, that's a basically a, a method where uh, instead of me going to the target, the viewer becomes the target. <laughs> so what I did there was turned it around so that EBEs and extraterrestrials would know about what I'm, what I'm doing. And that's how I made a lot of connections and contacts, but I inadvertently did it. I, I got the idea from Ingo Swan when he was asked in the 80s to remote view an a, uh, unidentified flying object. He was picked up at 3 o'clock in the morning by these men in you know, suits that he worked for. He didn't know who they were. Took him in a limo, took him to a jet, took him to this location, took him in a helicopter, took him to this site. And there was a large lake there, not too large, but it was a good size uh, uh, pond or lake. And at a certain time in the morning, this craft came out like clockwork every single day. Never saw it come in, always saw it come out. They were monitoring this for a long time. And they asked Ingo, we want you to remote view this thing. He says, are you kidding? He says, I'm not gonna do it. He says, why? Well, if I remote view what's in that craft, they're gonna know and they're gonna start remote viewing me. <laughs> and he was terrified of that. He didn't want that to happen. He says, look, I don't want to disappear. I don't want to, they're going to know everything I do. They're going to come and see me. I don't want to be one of those guys that's, you know, whatever, and then it's a one-way ticket, right? So I can understand that. I can understand that. I met Ingo about mm, 10 years ago in uh, Nevada when he was doing a three-day conference. So it was a really remarkable man. I admire him very much. Um, so basically, I got the idea from that, where if you have the... <laughs> if you're bold enough and if you're ready, right, especially if you're ready emotionally, right, psychologically, emotionally, energetically, then you can learn to do that. And you can establish contact with other life forms, all right, uh, EBEs, ex extra biological entities that are indigenous to this world and off planet, okay? And I have a special affirmation that I use so that I attract only benevolent beings, 
Because in the beginning, I did have a lot of these funny beings, you know, and uh, they scared me, and they said, I'm going to kill you when you come out and do this and that, and they kind of um, fed on my energy, you know, of fear. And at, at one point, I said, I'm not going to go back in this time. I'm just going to leave and try to escape from them. And I tried that, and they'd follow me. And in the OBE state, you know, your mind controls what you do. And you can move from one place instantaneously over here very quickly with the speed of thought, but I wasn't experiencing it like that. So I was moving like I would physically, flying in the air. And I was moving very fast, and these entities, three or four of them would be behind me, and they were very large. They looked like ogres, you know, and they were trying to catch me, to, to, to hurt me, right? And I'd be flying through mountains, and I felt like I was going 10,000 miles an hour. I felt myself going through rock, mountains, buildings, everywhere, and they eventually caught up to me, right? They, they caught up to me, and they, 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 uh, they, they fought with me, right? And I fought back this time, right? And because it's energy, you're dealing with energy, and I had a lot of fear. But the moment I started doing that, I realized when I fought back, I saw my body and my fist get much bigger and my body get bigger. My energy body just seemed to get bigger and I fought back and when I did that, I never was bothered again. Never came to see me again. And I'm not sure, you know, I'm not exactly sure, but I think that when the entities went off and took off, I think I seen one turn around and look at me and give me the thumbs up. <laughs> I don't know. And they never, and I'm not sure if they were doing that to, to help me to whatever, to this day, but uh, you know, you see a lot of strange things. I've encountered people on the other side that have passed on, you know, um, that have moved on. I've been to Summerland, Winterland. I've been to this uh, area, uh, this M band around the Earth. It's an area that you have to kind of bypass. But at first, I was stuck there. I couldn't bypass it, and there's a lot of uh, terrible energy there. Um, I, I once went to a locale in the OBE state where I saw this uh, body of uh, 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 this. Uh, uh, ocean of bodies, as far as I could see, and it was just people that were all, it was like a giant, um, you know, uh, uh, what, what do you call it, you know, it's just people, there were spirits of people that were stuck on the, on the sexual level energy. And I was pulled into it, and it was a terrifying feeling, and I seen this and I'm looking and it looks like worms, you know, and it's as far as I could see. And I, as soon as I'm getting there, I have hands grabbing me and I'm, I'm a little concerned because they're grabbing me, men and women, and they're trying to pull me in. And, and, I, and I pulled out and I says to her, I said to some people, some, some life forms are, what's wrong with you? Uh, you know, I pulled one out. I managed to pull one out because you're on the same vibration. You can feel them. I says, what's wrong with you? What are you doing here? And for a split second, I said, what are you doing here? And for suspect, the person seemed to come out of this trance and look at me, and they were like sad, and they were gonna say something, and all of a sudden, they went back in that trance, and they went back in there. And I got out of there fast, you know? And it's, I don't know how many millions or whatever, but it's just people that are stuck on that physical aspect, you know, of sex, you know, and they just, they're stuck there, and until they wake up, they're there always trying to get it on or something, and they're just stuck. They can't, I try to get them out. I did try one more time again, and I, I don't want to go back there because the energy is terrible. Of course, I'm multidimensional. They're not. I will come back to the physical, but they're stuck there. But still, I didn't want to be pulled into that. I didn't like it, right? Um, I have heard signals of life forms that have passed on. Um, I, had, I, I heard a, a signal. I went to it. It was a little girl. Uh, her parents died in a car crash 
50 years before, and I don't know why, but the little girl was still stuck here on the physical plane. So I was instructed to take her by the hand and just go straight up. And as I took her, I said, we're gonna go and see your mommy and daddy now and everything. I got her name, uh, how long, she, like what, when she was born, right? I remembered that, took her back up there, and then I gave the information to the Monroe Institute, and then they verified it, and they check out the information. There's a lifeline program that the um, experienced uh, uh, Obinots, the term that I coined, um, will do where you can actually go and rescue entities and life forms that have passed on. So we don't know why, and I don't know why, but there are people that are not aware that they're dead, or they might know, or they're not aware of it, and for some reason, they're not gone to that locale. Some emotional energy anchors them. It's so powerful, fear, love, hate, it anchors them to where they are, and they have no sense of time, and they're just stuck there. So there is individuals that will, you hear this particular signal, it's like a cry, but it's a signal, and I follow it, and then you see someone there. Sometimes they wanna be taken, and sometimes they don't wanna be rescued, right? That, that happens, so it's kinda, kinda scary, but it's, it's very interesting, and it's very, it's a lot of fun, and it's fulfilling too. And I don't know why the universe is like that, but that's what happens. Um, so you can do a lot of things like that. Um, okay, so what was I getting to just a moment ago? I was talking about uh, doing a demonstration. Okay, so I'm gonna try to do something here, all right, and I honestly, don't know if I can do this. Can I have a young lady come up here, please? Come up here, dear. All right. So you always see someone with a key, all right? And you always see someone hold a key and they bend it. And they're using sleight of hand. But I'm going to have this young lady hold a key, all right? Okay? And I don't know if the camera can get that or not, okay? Hmm. And I borrowed this key from the gentleman over there, all right? And I said to him, well, you know that I'm not gonna be able to straighten it out without breaking it, right? So, all right, so I'm gonna take the key here and put it in the young lady's hand, all right? And what's your name, dear? Emily. Emily, okay, I knew that, all right. Okay, so <laughs> she's got the key in her hand. And can, can you see that on the big screen? Can you see that okay? All right, okay, so I'm gonna leave that in her hand and I honestly don't know if I can do this, but if I can just shift it a little bit can you, see the, can you see it okay like that? If I could just shift it a little bit, that would be remarkable without touching it, right? <laughs> All right, so I'm going to ask you, okay, to just take your hand and just touch the center, okay? Very lightly, okay? All right, that's fine. And this is an energy, everyone possesses an energy field around them and the healing energy, the key, the chi. There's a thing called the resonant energy balloon that we learned at the Monroe Institute to protect ourselves, you know, from negative energies and forces. All right, you can take your finger away, okay? And I'm just gonna lift the key up, and I just wanna know if you can detect anything there? Is anything discernible yet? Not quite, eh? Okay, all right, so what we're gonna do is just hold that there for a second. Now, I will take that question here that you have. Yes. Well, you think you just, it's, it's very simple. It's just intention. You, it's very difficult to go at the exact moment or hour, but because that incident uh, of the atomic bomb and Hiroshima was so powerful, they were able to go to that particular target. But to go to the moment or exact day or time is not easy, but you can usually go within a week or a month or a year. And you just think of the future. You can go to your future. 
you can go to see your future self or your past self, and you can do that. You can access information. So it's just intention, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now. You have to think, like, how fast am I going to go? 80 kilometers, 100, 50, 30? It's the same thing with the intention of that, all right? So are you able to feel anything happening? Uh, kind of. Kind of? Yeah. Okay. Can anyone notice a shift there? Yeah. All right? Yes. Okay. All right. So she's smiling a little bit. Now, so anybody have another question? She's giggling. Anyone have another one? Okay, so uh, the difference between uh, lucid dreaming and out of body is lucid dreaming is you're awake and aware in the dream state. Out of body is where you know that you feel that you're there and remote viewing is where you're, it's like a panoramic view, all right? So if you get a target, all right, say for example, if you lost your watch or ring or your daughter or a friend is missing or someone has disappeared, right? What, what you'll do is you'll be asked, okay, to remote view this person where they're located. Now, if you're experienced or you're not, right, in the beginning, you, you can, you know, they could give you coordinates, and you say it's a life form, male or female, you write it down, you put it down, uh, you see them with an individual, you see them at this location or whatever, at this home or whatever, you give it to the person, and they check it out, and if it, if it works, if it flies, if, it, if it's right on the beam, then you've helped that person find a person. So, for example, a couple in uh, England, um, a wealthy couple, uh, their daughter had uh, absconded with an individual who was a... Uh, uh, how about, what should I say, somewhat diabolical, and he wanted, you know, he, he knew the daughter had a lot of money, and uh, he was kind of uh, using her for that, and she ran with him, and they wanted her back, but they had no idea, he, she wasn't at the regular places, so they gave me, front-loaded me the daughter picture, I concentrated, she's giggling, I, she, I concentrated, told him where I seen her, what, what the landmark was, couldn't get the street number, or the street, but I did give them enough information that they recognized it, they had the police, they went there and they got their daughter back. And they, they wrote me a nice little check too. <laughs> All right, so that's one way. Now if you lose a coin, you can remote view the coin, a watch. You can remote view a situation, uh, a stock. You know, there is no limit to how it can be applied. She's, she's giggling, can you see this on the camera? Can you see this on the camera? She's, that's why she's giggling. Can, are you able to see that? Is that, is that noticeable? All right, and there you go, dear, you get to keep that. Go ahead, she's still, she's shaking a bit, eh? That's gonna bend more, all right, can you see that? And her hand feels a little funny? Well, it's all right. Would you, would you like to take the key and see if you can bend it? See if you can bend it, it's very strong, isn't it? No, I mean, you know, physically. It's very, very strong, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, you can take the key back, dear, and give her a nice hand. <laughs> keep the key. Anyone who wanna check the key, they can go ahead, all right? Okay, so how are we doing on time? Good? All right, 10 minutes. Ten minutes, okay. All right, so, so um, does anyone else have a question about remote viewing or its a, a application? The history of remote viewing is remarkable. Dr. David Morehouse wrote a book, uh, Psychic Warriors, I'm sure you know of it. He was my mentor, I got my master's from him. Uh, he's retired five years ago. Um, he did two master's class in 15 years and he's a remarkable teacher and I've taken up where he left off. I've been doing classes and seminars for the last 20 years or so in North America. And I love it when people hit a target on some aspect, even if they hit a little bit, right? Now, you never remote view something you already know the answer to, right? You don't want to remote the Eiffel Tower, right? <laughs> you can do it as a practice target, okay? Practice is okay to remote view things that if, you're not, if you don't know them. But once you get into it, you really want to get to know the unknown. You want to know, like, who owned this object? Why, you know, what did this person feel like the last person who had this coin or object in their hand, 
remote view their feelings, their, how they looked. You got a sword you found, an antique, something odd looking or whatever. You can remote view it and go back. They call that psychometry, but this is much more deeper. All right, you remote view the molecules, the time, the person, the emotion, were they happy when they had this? How did they die? So you can remote view everything about it. All right, so it goes deeper than what they, they call psychometry. All right, although it's, it's, there's a similarity, but not quite, because you're following the protocol. So there is a protocol, there is a methodology in the remote viewing that will help you to get what they call the matrix, the collective unconsciousness of humanity. And it's a wonderful ability you already possess. For example, you think of a name, okay? You're, you're thinking of a name, it just comes to you out of, out of the blue, okay? Uh, uh, John Wayne or uh, Justin Bieber or whatever, I don't know. And, and you go home and your friend has got a video on a movie about John Wayne. I mean, you get these impressions that come to you, right? But they're just coming to you from everywhere. So it's uncontrollable, your ability. So what I do and what I share and what I teach is how to help you to close that aperture and open it at will a little bit so that you can focus on the target. So you're remote viewing the knob of the door, but you don't know it's a door yet, all right? And then you're closing it and opening it a little more. Now you see a little bit more of the knob and what it might be connected to, you know? And then you're closing it and opening it more, all right? And then now you see it's a door. Okay, good. Now go through the door, right? Remote view through the door and see what's in the door, if you dare, <laughs> all right? So, uh, so you can remote view anything. And to the degree that you develop it, all right, you can really de uh, develop these incredible senses. Now, the funny thing about remote viewing is that you can smell, right? If I go somewhere and it's, uh, you know, I, I get a, a thing, uh, the target was a volcano, my skin will actually turn red and I've, I've got the smell of sulfur. I don't know it's a volcano yet and it, I'm getting really hot. So you can pick up all these impressions and bring them back. Taste, smell, hearing, so somehow you can pick that up in the remote viewing stage, but in the outer body, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. It's just silent, no noise, you can't taste, you can't, you can feel a fabric, you can feel something when you go through it, right, things like that, and you can, it feels like you got that physical body there, but it's a non-physical body. And so it's a, there's a very strong, um, you know, there's a very big difference between the two. How you know when you're remote viewing is because You'll, you'll know it, it's a panoramic, you're out of body, you're there. You know that you're asleep over here, but you're over here. If you're lucid dreaming, you'll be able to, you ever have this experience, folks, where you wake up, right, in bed, and then you wake up again, and realizing you woke up in your dream, right? That's known as a false awakening. And if you exercise uh, the ability where you initiate a reality test, you can trigger yourself and realize, well, this is a, a false awakening, it's great. You're looking at your hands, right? You only got three digits. That's a technique that I used. You know what your hands look like. They don't look like this, right? Three digits. I wake up, I look at my hands. I'm fooled by false awakening so often that I'm, I still get fooled by it sometimes. But I used to have eight, nine of them in a, in a row, thinking I was really waking up. And if I just looked a little bit around, I would have noticed that there's a light on there that doesn't belong there. Or actually, <laughs> sometimes my bed is on the opposite side of the wall. Or I got a window in my room that doesn't exist. Right, so, but the hands are always there. So I've seen my hands, they're long fingers, covered with hair, you know, and oh, this is great. It's a false awakening. It's so subtle, just like you're waking up. And people have false awakenings every night, okay? So if I was fooled by, if, fooled by it and still am, all right, unless I do a reality check, 
then, then you will be too. So if you look at your hands and they don't quite look right, or if there's a light source that doesn't exist, there usually has a light source on, a candle, a light, a lamp, something. Uh, you know, you closed your lights, you know you did, but the lights are on now. How is that possible? And you're gonna wake up, it's gonna be a false awakening, it'll look like a room, but it's not. You open up your closet door and you're walking through another dimension. It's incredible, all right? So now I'd like to do another demonstration. Would you like to see another one on remote touching? Okay, who'd like to volunteer? Gentlemen over, oh, Wes, Wes wants to volunteer, but he's with the show. So he, he's gonna have to say that he has, we have not planned this, and this has not been planned. Well, you know what? I, I have to be honest, folks, okay? I scan all of you, right? And I'll, 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 I know if some of you seen my demonstration yesterday, but I can tell who's going to be more susceptible to this than others. I can tell. So if I don't choose you, it's not your fault, right? Okay? <laughs> it's just that I, I, gotta, I don't want to come up here and I expend the energy and you might not be aware. So you have to kind of be, you know, sensitive to your surroundings. You don't really have to be. Right? In other words, not to be too stubborn. <laughs> who, who did want to come up? Um, let's see, this fellow at the back, Mike. Uh, okay, Mike. That gentleman I know because he bought a manual and a CD for me. Come on up, Mike. Give him a little hand. Come on up. Okay. Would you mind taking off your jacket, Mike? Take off your jacket or a shirt? Can you, can you, let me see how, well, you got a shirt, you got, you got a shirt, t-shirt underneath? Okay, good. All right. It's, it's a reason for that. Okay, that's great. Okay, good. So we'll just take your jacket, sure. okay, and we'll, your shirt, and we'll put that. This is a nice shirt. Thank you very much. I think you don't want it back, eh? It's nice. <laughs> I'll, I'll keep it. All right. Okay, good. So what I'm going to do is put this chair over here, all right? And I'd like you to sit down here, please. Okay. And in a moment, Mike, now first, we haven't pre-planned this. You, have, you don't know what I'm going to do, nope. am I correct? Yes. You verify that, and uh, we don't know each other other than the fact that you bought one of my remote viewing manuals and <laughs> CDs. <laughs> okay, so in a moment I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, not yet, and when your eyes are closed, okay, I'm going to give them a, a, a little aura cleaning, all right? Everybody has an energy that exists, and people know about this, there's nothing esoteric about it, <clears throat> and, um, uh, and when your eyes are closed, I want you to just kind of perceive any sensations you may pick up, whether it's physical or non-physical, okay? So I want you not to prejudge anything that you feel. Do you understand what I'm saying? I think so. Good, close your eyes now. Okay, open your eyes. Okay, can you tell us anything that you might have felt? Uh, feelings, colors, heat, warmth, anything at all? I felt a tap on my shoulder. You felt, which shoulder? My right shoulder. How many times? Twice. I touched my shoulder here on the right twice. I was gonna tap over here, wasn't I? I touched it twice here and he I was over here, right? Gonna tap here, change my mind over here. Thank you, give him a nice hand. Oh. I guess okay. I need to see the video to see what happens. Okay. 
That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. This is a great, this is a really nice shirt. This is really nice. Thank you. Okay, folks. So you got the idea a little bit? You know you've been in a bar, you've been in a club, you've been at a social function, right? You're looking at someone and they turn around and look at you. You've turned around and looked at someone that was looking at you. Why? It's a subconscious thing, right? You can do this, right? We have a group of people. We have someone in the center in my programs and I have that person close their eyes and I tell everybody I point to an area on their body and then the group concentrates on that point for about a minute and then I ask the person to close their eyes and ask, did you, you know, did you feel anything? A warmth, a cold, or whatever, and they'll point to that area that I chose. But we have a little group doing that, okay? And then we break the group down and then we break them down again until we have, you know, two people working, you know, one closes their eyes and then focusing on a spot, right? And then, you know, I fine-tuned it and you can do that too. Um, although I don't, I'm not sure why you wanna do it. You just gotta be careful what area of the body you touch, that's all. <laughs> when I was younger, I wanna get into that. So I got, I've had girls come up to me saying, I mean, you know, they're complete strangers and, and they just pick it up so strong and I, they just come up to me and, you know, uh, you know, I don't wanna say what they said, but somehow they knew it was me and, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm 50 feet away, right? And, uh, you know, and I accidentally discovered that like, you know, 30 years ago. <laughs> Right, so I'm kind of careful, you know, how I project the thoughts. And I'm, I, I'm thinking, well, just like you're not gonna harm anybody intentionally, you're not gonna wanna do something intentionally unless you wanna do it, right? So I'm at that point now where you're, you, know, you discipline yourself and you're not, you're not gonna do something silly. It's good manners and it's integrity and you don't want it coming back on you because it can be embarrassing, you know? Um, so uh, I'm gonna take at this point, uh, uh, did anybody have a question? All right, uh, while you're thinking of a question, I just wanted to show you my biography just came out, True, True Life Accounts of a Spiritual Warrior, Michael Telstar. I got a volcano there. I put that image of a volcano because one of the targets I got was, I got such a feedback off of it, turning red, getting my temperature up. It was pretty cool. Um, and then I've got my out of body manual and my uh, training manual for coordinate remote viewing, one to three. And then I've got some cool CDs too. Unfortunately, I can't put them on the screen. Um, I hope you've enjoyed my talk, folks. Uh, I think I'm about done. I've really enjoyed talking to all of you out there, and EBEs too, I hope to see you, and uh, have a great day, folks. Thank you.